by taking advantage of the day laborers. You may remember that they had refused to give payment or to make payment on those who had reaped the fields or those who had cut the fields. And in light of that, James said they needed to howl and they needed to weep because judgment was coming. And while that was part of the context, we saw that what James was getting to was this, is that he was writing to the believers, those who had been abused by the landowners, those who had been taken advantage of, and he shared with them these thoughts that they needed to be patient and that they needed to establish their hearts. They needed to endure and they needed to fix themselves. And so the point that I tried to, to give us last week was that James was saying to them, just stick with it. In the midst of the discouragement, in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of these trying times, just stick with it. Do not allow your faith in God to waver and do not allow your walk with God to falter during this time. Just stick with it. And James explained that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And so what James was saying is this, is the Lord's going to return in the near future and you don't want to quit before the Lord returns. And so last week, I just reminded us that we are going to go through difficult days. We are going to go through trying times. Every one of us are going to deal with discouragement. If you don't deal with discouragement, you are oblivious to the realities of life. Every one of us deal with discouragements. And in the midst of those discouragements, here's what Satan would love to get us to do. Satan would love to get us to quit. And Satan would love to get us to just kind of throw our hands up in the air and to say it's just not worth it and to walk away from all of it. And James would say to us, stick with it. Stick with it because it's worth it. One day the Lord is going to return. The return of the Lord is nearer than we can imagine. And we do not want to quit. And the Lord find us having faltered on him, really. I mean, we don't want to stand before the Lord having given up in our walk with God. And so I would say to you again this morning, as I tried to say last week, stick with it, stay faithful, and you'll be glad you did. I'll be glad I did if I stick with it, if I stay faithful. And so that's what we talked about last week, tonight, or this morning rather, obviously. I'm going to begin by sharing just one statement, one thought, and then we're going to transition into another thought that will let us, I, I hope, get into the, the message in a way that is clear and easy to be understood. But I think all of us know this. If you are a homeowner, sometimes you have big projects that you need to tackle. They are projects that require your attention. These are significant. These are important. We might call them a major issue around the house. And, and as a homeowner, that has to be addressed. It has to be taken care of. But I think we know this as well, that sometimes the attention that the home needs, it's not major, but it does not negate the fact that it still needs some attention. I would simply illustrate it like this. If the light bulb is out, we would not say to our friends, man, do we have a major repair ahead of us. I'm going to have to take the globe down, take the bulb out, and put a new one in. That's not how we would describe it, right? But we would say it's a relatively minor issue that we've got to address, but here's what we know. It needs to be addressed. The light bulbs need to be burning. The light bulbs need to be working. And I say that to say this, that sometimes in our spiritual lives, 
we have what we would consider to be big issues that need to be addressed. This has come up. This has presented itself. We have been confronted with this. And, and, and we would look at that and we would say, man, that's a big issue. Well, I'm going to have to work hard on that one. And the Lord's going to have to give grace in that particular area of life. And sometimes there are just these little issues that pop up in our spiritual lives. And, and we wouldn't look at it and say, man, that is huge. Man, that is major. That is significant. That is so overwhelming. But I would say this, that if we're going to walk with God like we should, then even those issues that we would say are small or, or tiny or insignificant, those still need to be addressed, don't they? Amen. And you say, why would you say that? Because I know in the next couple of moments I'm going to be presenting something to us. And you might say, really? That's what you presented to us this morning? That's what you think we need to be mindful of? That's what you think we need to be concerned with? And I would say to you, yes, I think we need to be mindful of this. And yes, I think we need to be aware of it. And I would go so far as to say this. We need to take it serious because even though we might consider it to be a small issue, Scripture seems to think it's a fairly big issue. And so I don't want us to leave here this morning thinking, oh, goodness. He kind of stretched that one a little bit. I think it's something that still needs to be addressed because the Scripture addresses it, and it seems to be a big deal. So as we keep that in mind... Consider this. How many of us this morning know that anyone can get into a habit of doing something so much so that they don't even realize they're doing it anymore? It's very possible, isn't it? How many of us have ever known the person who is always whistling? Just whistling. Just nonstop whistling, and they're just whistling, 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 whistling. And you might say to them, shh, shh, shh. And they'd say, what? You're whistling. I was? Yes, you were whistling. Maybe they're always humming. Just humming. And you were to ask them maybe, what are you humming? I don't know. Was I humming? Yes. Not just that you were humming, you've been humming for like the last 20 years. It can happen, right? Have you ever done something just kind of mindlessly like click a pen? You say like what? Like click a pen, just sit there. Maybe it wasn't you, but somebody else was just clicking the pen, clicking the pen, clicking the pen. And you turned and looked at them and said, would you stop? And they said, stop what? Clicking the pen. I think all of us understand this and we would all agree with this we can all get into these habits we can all get into these routines and and we don't even realize we're doing it until somebody brings it to our attention and even in that moment it's still hard to realize that that's what we were doing now as we again hold on to that we're going to make our way this morning into James chapter 5 we're going to look at just one verse of Scripture, but let's keep this in mind, what's going on. James is writing to believers 
who have been abused, who have been taken advantage of. The, the rich in their communities, the rich in their regions had no doubt abused their power. And this was discouraging. This was frustrating. It was disappointing. It was a difficult time in their lives. And so notice what James says now in verse number one. He says, grudge not one against another, brethren. Grudge not one against another, brethren. This word grudge, I think, is a word that most of us would think we're familiar with. I think many of us would say we know what it means whenever James is writing of a grudge. Here is what most of us would define it as or describe it as, or or we might say something like this. We know what it's like to hold a grudge. It's kind of like this idea we would say that that whenever somebody has done something, we're not going to forgive them and we're not going to get over that. And so because of our refusal to forgive and because of our refusal to get over it, we would say maybe of ourselves or somebody would say of us or us towards somebody, someone else, we would say something like this, they're holding a grudge against that person. And so we might read that and what James is saying to the believers is, is don't hold a grudge against those who have defrauded you or, or taken advantage of you or misused you. And, and there is probably an element of truth to that thought and application. But here is what is interesting. The word grudge in verse number 9, if you go back and you look at a Bible dictionary and you deal with it in its context, it's not dealing with necessarily a person's unwillingness to forgive someone who has wronged them. So James is not writing about this idea of refusing to get over something. It's kind of interesting. This word grudge has two simple words associated with it. Words that we are so familiar with, and yet we might not even notice it. Here is the first word that I want us to consider what it means to grudge not one against another. It means this, to groan, to groan. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, let's consider what the word groan means. It is a low, mournful sound uttered in pain or grief. A groan is a low, mournful sound uttered in pain or grief. A groan, I think we would all agree, is something that is almost involuntary at times. Would you agree? Okay. I think all of us at different times in our lives, not even aware of what it is we are doing, we have groaned. Now, I'm not trying to be silly. I'm just trying to illustrate this, okay? What does a groan sound like? Again, it is a low, mournful sound like, uh, right? Find me a person who has not made that sound in their life, and I'll find you someone who is only a couple of days old. Everybody at some point groans. This low, mournful sound that is uttered in the midst of pain or grief. When, when someone has been 
shocked with some terrible news. They may not have the words to speak. They may not have the words to express themselves. And yet you'll hear them just just groaning because of the pain or the sorrow or the misery they're in. But it also means this. It is a deep, inarticulate sound uttered in derision or disapproval. All right, that's kind of a fancy definition. So let me go over that again. It means a deep and articulate sound uttered in derision or disapproval. What in the world does derision mean? It means this, a condemnatory sound. Again, not trying to be silly, just trying to illustrate this. (sighs) How many of us have ever heard a sound like that? And we knew, though no words were spoken, someone was upset about something. We've all heard that, right? If we were kids in a normal household, at some point we heard our dad or mom say something like, and we knew we probably ought to change our behavior pretty quick, right? We knew that we had already pushed their buttons. We knew that we had already taken it to a level that we very well could regret in the next couple of seconds. I'm just saying, whenever someone groans, it could be that deep sound that comes from pain or grief or sorrow, but it can also be that sound that comes from this disapproval and this this derision or this condemnatory sound. And so here is James, and he is saying to believers, Don't grudge one against another, brethren. Don't make these low, inarticulate sounds in your frustration or your disapproval of what is happening and what is taking place. So are we together on this? To grudge means to groan. It also means this. To sigh. To sigh. What does it mean to sigh? Again, another fancy definition here. To let out one's breath audibly. You didn't really need the definition, did you? Because you know what it means to sigh. I'll illustrate, though, for some of you who may not have ever experienced this. That's not the way we breathe under normal circumstances, right? See, if you think about this, if you, if you notice this, most of us are just sitting here inhaling and exhaling without making a lot of sound. That is what a normal breath sounds like. Now, I understand sometimes our, our breathing might be labored, and so there might be a little bit of sound associated with it. But more times than not, it's just a silent exercise that we engage in naturally, but whenever a person sighs, here's what they do. They let out their breath audibly. And it's often done, according to the definition, when there is relief, sorrow, or weariness. Think about that in the midst of relief. You've just done something that was somewhat difficult or strenuous. 
And you get to sit down in your chair after you've done it. And what do you instinctively do? (sighs) Feels good, right? You're sighing in relief. But you can also sigh in sorrow. Oh, man. Oh, goodness. Again, I'm not trying to be silly. I just want us to see this. You understand how this works, right? Something is hard. Something is difficult. Something has brought about this burden. And so it it may not create the groan in the person. It could just create this this sigh where they are breathing audibly because of sorrow. Or again, maybe it's because of something that has created weariness in you. Just the fatigue of, of the activity is causing us to sigh. Now, I'm trying to show us something. Every one of us, we groan, and every one of us, we sigh. Every one of us, we make these low, inarticulate sounds where where we don't say a word, but we're expressing the disapproval, or we're showing our, our, our disdain for something. We sigh because of this weariness or this sorrow, whatever it is. We've all been guilty of this. We've all done this, and apparently people were doing this 2,000 years ago. Because James said, grudge not one against another, brethren. Grudge not one against another, brethren? What are you saying, James? He is saying this. Don't be groaning and sighing against one another or to one another, brethren. Think about the context. Again, you've got to keep this in context. What's happened to them? They've had their wages withheld from them. Right? They, they've been abused by the rich landowners. Some of them, it seems, according to the context, have been a part of the court system. They've been through the legal system, and, and they've not gotten the verdicts that they should have gotten because the rich have abused their power in the legal system. And so you've got these people who have been taken advantage of, and they've been used by the rich. And the court system has been, has been persuaded by the wealth of the landowner, landowners. And so here's what you've got. You've got people who are in these tough situations And what are they doing? And what is it? It is a constant expression of frustration and disapproval and sorrow and anger and all of these different things coming from the person again, without words even being spoken. Now, somebody may say, well, well, what's the big deal? So a person groans or a person sighs. This person grudges not or does grudge against another. Well, notice what James said next. He said, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Lest ye be condemned. What does it mean to be condemned? It means to give a judgment against someone. Not for someone, against someone. 
He says, lest ye be condemned, lest ye receive a judgment against you. It also means this, for something to be worthy of punishment. You know what James said is associated with this grudging, with this groaning, with this sighing, with all this expressiveness without ever saying a word? He said, you know what comes with that? Judgment. He said that is worthy of punishment. That is a ruling against you that will not work in your favor. He went on to say this. If you look at it, it's very simple. He said, behold, the judge standeth before the door. What does it mean whenever James says the judge standeth before the door? The idea is this, is that the judge is right there. The judge is present and the judge is aware. And the judge is hearing everything that is coming from you. And friends, if the judge hears all the grudging, if the judge hears all the groaning, if the judge hears all the sighing, here is what it is going to do. It is going to bring about a verdict against you, and that will be worthy of punishment. All the groaning and all the sighing, all the exhales of the breath, all the sounds of disappointment and frustration, though a word has never been spoken, James says that will bring about condemnation. Now, now, if you think about that, don't you know that his readers had to be somewhat shocked at that? I'm the one who's been abused. I'm the one who's been taken advantage of. I'm the, been, I'm the one who's been mistreated. I'm the one who the legal system has worked against, though it should have worked in my favor. All I'm doing is grudging. All I'm doing is groaning. All I'm doing is sighing. I'm not saying anything, James. And James says, listen, the groaning and the sighing is enough to bring about condemnation. That needs to be addressed, and that has to be dealt with. Now, now follow this. This is so important, okay? I know, as I said last week, you and I are not being abused by greedy landowners. That, that is not the situation and the scenario that we find ourselves in. That is not what we're dealing with. But I said last week, and I say again to you today, you and I will find ourselves in discouraging, difficult situations over and over and over again. It's just going to happen to us. We're going to find ourselves in those difficult, trying circumstances of life. Now follow this. This is, this is remarkable if you think about it. In the midst of those discouraging or those frustrating or trying times, what do we seem to do without even thinking? We groan. And we sigh. You're not sure as to whether or not you've ever done this. Go back to the last time you got mad at your spouse but didn't say anything. <sighs> I'm glad me and Brother Randy will admit this, okay? And listen, you, you may not have groaned in front of the spouse because you knew that judgment would have drawn nigh. And, and, you know, 
I'm just saying, think about this. The last time you got mad at your spouse, it is very possible that you groaned against them. You didn't say anything, but you said everything that needed to be said. The time that your husband asked you to do something, but he wasn't really asking. He was telling you what you would do, and you didn't like what he was telling you to do. You may not have done it where he could hear it, but you said something like this. And that said everything that needed to be said. Right? In the midst of the frustration, in the midst of the disapproval, in the midst of, uh, of whatever it was, that groan or that sigh toward the spouse said everything that needed to be said, though nothing technically was said. How many times do young people get frustrated with their parents and their response is not... Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. But you get a response kind of like this. <sighs> yes, ma'am. The words were right, but you know what was wrong? The sigh and the tone. Did I not say that right? Okay, well, come on. Parents, help me out here. Uh, Listen, we got some young kids in here. They need to hear this. I I didn't say anything. No, but I heard how you breathed and your breath said it all. Come on now. The breath said everything. The way that you groaned when you left the room. (sighs) Okay, that was one of those low, inarticulate, stupid Neanderthal sounds. But it said everything that needed to be said in that moment. And it was wrong. Right? How often do we groan or sigh at work because something frustrated us? I mean, come on. Dealing with that person, dealing with that situation. Uh, I didn't say anything, no, but you said everything that needed to be said with just that groan or that sigh. Now think about this. I said a moment ago, people can get into habits of things and they don't even realize they're doing it. Right? So a person may be humming and they don't even realize they're humming. A person may be whistling and they don't even realize they're whistling. Somebody may be smacking their gum and they don't even realize they're smacking their gum. I'm just saying that happens all the time. So let me ask you if this is possible. Is it possible for us to grudge against others, to groan and sigh against others, and we don't even realize we're doing it? It happens all the time. How many of us have ever been in a situation like this? What was that for? What was what for? You just breathed really heavy. I did not just breathe really heavy. Yes, you did. Well, I, I didn't mean to breathe really heavy. Right, because we do it without even realizing we do it. Now, now, now follow this. 
it can become such a pattern of behavior that we soon find ourselves groaning and sighing about everything. Right? So I don't know. Well, it's not just your husband or your wife that makes you groan or sigh. It's not just your kids or your parents that make you groan or sigh. It's not just your coworkers that make you groan or sigh. It becomes such a part of who we are. <sighs> Stupid remote. Been pushing this button for the last 10 minutes and the stupid thing still won't work. (sighs) Come on now. It becomes such a normal part of who we are, we don't even realize everything we're groaning and sighing about. (sighs) I gotta take out the trash. I mean, is it really that big of a burden for us to take out the trash? It's really not. But to hear us express ourselves, you would think that this is the greatest trial known to man. Oh, I got to take out the trash. Good grief. I got to put on my shoes. I mean, that is, that is terrible, isn't it? We got to put on our shoes and take out the trash. Now, I know we're laughing about this, but think about what this does to our testimony, friends. We're griping and groaning and sighing about having to put on shoes and take out the trash all the way to the alley. And that's going to take like a minute or two. <sighs> I hate trash. Come on. (sighs) Got to go unload the car. Yeah, because who wants groceries? Really, we're, we're sighing about that? Oh. My stupid computer. I, I keep getting this buffering signal. Oh. My computer is moving so slow today. Uh, is this not the world we live in? Oh, cell phone, no service. I'm going to have to call you back. I keep cutting out. We gripe and groan and sigh about everything, and we don't even notice it. Just drive. Just go. (sighs) Isn't it amazing? If we stop and we think about it, how much low, inarticulate, nonverbal communication we engage in, and we let everyone know we're frustrated. We let everyone know we don't approve. We let everyone know that we're upset about something. We're constantly sighing, and we're constantly exhaling this breath, just letting people know we're frustrated. And it doesn't begin to compare to having our wages robbed from us and our manner of life or our ability to even survive being impaired, we are groaning and we are sighing about some of the most ridiculous things because it becomes such a part of who we are, we don't notice it anymore. And if somebody were to say, what are you upset about? Well, I'm not upset. Well, it sure sounded like it when you said you had to take out the trash. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything. Well, no, you meant something by it. 
I meant something by it. Again, think about what that does to our testimony. If there are people who are not saved and they are around us and they're constantly hearing us groaning and sighing and complaining about things, it must say much to them that we are people who are hard to please and people who are hard to satisfy. Now, you, 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 know, you could sit here and say, well, man, Brother Kyle, that's not like near as important as you know, adultery or near as important as pornography or near as important as, as some other terrible sin. Well, I don't know. James just said, hey, brethren, don't do this lest ye be condemned. Right. Sounds like God takes it pretty serious. You get into this habit of constantly groaning and constantly sighing and constantly expressing yourself without words being spoken. It sounds like to me God gets fed up with it at some point. It's worthy of condemnation. And again, he just said, behold, the judge standeth before the door. I'm just trying to show us this morning there might need to be some effort on our part to pay attention to what kind of things come out of our mouth, even though we don't say anything sometimes. So that piece of equipment isn't working right. Can you imagine what it would do for the unsaved person, that lost person, if they saw us not getting upset and mad at that piece of equipment, like that's really going to fix anything? So rather than all the groaning and the sighing and, and, and the weird sounds that we make, they just see us keep our calm and our cool and our composure. And, and this isn't happening right at work or this isn't happening right in the family. And rather than all of the weird sounds coming from us, they, they just see us doing it right. Can, can you imagine the difference that it would make? I, I think most of us, not all of us, but I think most of us, we don't give a lot of attention to things like a groan or a sigh. And if we did, we'd say, well, what's the big deal? We all groan, we all sigh. I mean, good grief. At least I didn't say what I was thinking. Well, no, again, we said plenty. So here's a challenge. And trust me, I know it's a challenge because I've tried to pay attention to it the last couple of days since I put the thoughts together on paper. Here's the challenge. Pay attention to how many times you sigh or groan. You might, start, you might start saying to yourself, kind of like I've had to, you sound kind of silly after a while. Was that really worthy of a groan? It's not like I'm 95 right now. Was it really that big of a deal? It's not like somebody just came in and robbed my bank account and I won't be able to buy groceries this week. It's not like this happened. Was it really worthy of a groan? Was it really worthy of the sigh? I'm just saying, if you start listening to yourself more, you'll start realizing how many times you make sounds that don't even really need to be made. I'm just saying, I don't care if we're young or if we're old or obviously somewhere in between. We need to listen. Because God takes serious even the groans and even the sighs that express what's going on in our heart. It can be condemned. It can bring about a sentence or a judgment against us. 
and it is not going unnoticed by the judge. It's just not. So we might want to pay attention. And we might, and this is dangerous, okay? I know this is dangerous, but we might want to give someone permission to call us out on it when we do it. So I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of commitment. I understand. I'm just saying. But if we gave someone permission to call us out every time we groaned or sigh, we might find that it happens a lot more often, even when we think we're being sensitive to it. And we might realize, well, i got a lot to work on. It's serious, even though it may not seem serious compared to other issues that we sometimes face in our Christian lives. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us to be careful to not grudge against another. To one another, these things that frustrate us, these things that upset us, these things that cause weariness or sorrow. Lord, there's just a need for us to be careful. And it's so easy to overlook this because of the routine and the habit of life that we get ourselves into. So I pray that you'd help us to be sensitive to it and maybe that we'd be accountable to someone for it. And Lord, that we'd begin addressing this in the way that we ought. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.